Hi, everyone. Welcome to Runs with Dogs. I am Jen, joined as always by Dear Dad. Run, 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 run. How's it going, Dear Dad? It's pretty good. How you feeling today? A little sore. So it's been a very long time since we've done a Runs with Dogs podcast. Been in ultra long time <laughs> and uh i've had stuff to talk about and like life was really busy and all of a sudden life is not very busy and so maybe we'll do a whole bunch of these but we're doing this one because this past weekend we ran the everglades ultra we being both both me and gr dad and that's what's exciting it's pretty cool it's like your first Real ultra. It's exciting for me. Not some fat ass that I put together. No, we did a 50k. That totally counts. That was that was the covert 50k. Let, let me teach you the lingo. Oh, that's a fat ass. What? That a fat ass ultra, or a fat ass race, is where it's like not officially organized and there aren't aid stations. You just kind of bring your own stuff and take care of yourself. Why am I a fat ass for running that? <laughs> You're not a fat ass. The race is a fat ass. I don't get the insulting terminology used here. I believe I have looked up the origin of it, and I don't know the exact race. I vaguely think it maybe was after Thanksgiving. Someone's a fat ass in this scenario. It was sort of like a, okay, you haven't been doing everything, anything. Like, everybody's going to get off their fat ass and come out and run, even though, like, there's not an official race. So that's, that's a, the idea. That's pretty benign. Yeah. Uh, there is an origin maybe on the next one of these that we do, which could be in like a day because we got a lot of time. Could be in three years. Uh, it could be. You never know. This is a, a podcast of chaos. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like even on ultra sign up, there'll be fat ass races. And basically what that means is like, bring your own drinks and food. And they're like, you're not getting a medal or a t-shirt. And a lot of times they're free and, uh, you're just kind of showing up at the at the place and doing it so uh yeah so the race that we did together the covert ultra where i 3d printed two medals one for each of us and it was just the two of so us it's not a fat ass if you had a me- if i had a medal it I is got a medal. absolutely a fat ass oh. just because i made us medals doesn't get it out of that i you and i ran 50k each that's pretty good i'm not saying a fat ass counts hmm. it's just not you know organized doesn't sound really? as cool as a non-fat ass. Oh, race. it's just this is because you're just like not deep in the ultra community. You're, like fat ass is like the most natural way to go do it. W- really? Yeah. It's like cool. <laughs> I'm laughing because Jared and I are sitting across the table from each other, and he's talking, and all of a sudden, guacamole, uh, our new dog, his head just rose up from under the table to look at Jared and oh, assume he has a ball. Plop a nasty wet straggly ball in my lap so uh anyway we did the everglades ultra um which was organized and not fat ass it was no it's very well organized race uh it's organized by the same guy bob who does the keys 100 which is the 100 miler i dnf to last may he's kind of like a local legend local being southern florida florida he's run Badwater a bunch of times he just said there's a race down here and I don't remember what it's called, but the way that the race works is that you have a certain number of hours. And so I don't remember what it is. Say it's a 24 hour race. And then for your age, every year older than that you are, you get an extra hour. So there's a lot of timed ultras, eight hour races, 12, wow. 24, 48. 
So say this is a 24-hour race. If you're 25 years old, you get 25 hours. Oh, interesting. He's 72? I don't know. He seems like he's in his low 60s, I would say. Yeah, like he looks really like He's really a tough guy. Uh, whatever. Let's give him 60. I think he's quite a bit older than that. Yeah. Uh, so he had a huge number of hours. And I think you just run a track. Maybe it's a one mile loop, but it's a really little loop. And you just run the loop over and over and over again. And he set the world record for that course. He also had a lot more hours, but the guy is still, he ran over a hundred miles in this race. He's a total badass. He had broken his arm or he had pins in his arm or he He had something in his arm. He was just, but he's just iron. You can just tell that guy, you want him in a foxhole next year. He's like tough as nails, but super nice and, and very direct and very like into it still oh, really enjoys it okay race for the ages is the name of the race bob he's 74 i mean you'd if you told me he if you told me he was like 57 i'd believe you yeah i'd say like he he might be a, a gnarled 57 yeah but he's a super young 74 yeah. 74 he so he had uh i guess 74 hours to run this how how far do you think he ran in 74 that's a lot of hours 230 miles. He oh ran 230 miles. At He's, 74 years old? At 74 years old, he ran 230 <sighs> miles. And in fact, he had run like 229. He had come around the last lap. And uh, Mike Melton, who... The timer guy. Yeah. He owns this company who does like race timing, like with the chips in your bib. He does it for all the ultras in Florida. Actually, I mean, all I mean, over the country. Those guys work together a lot, though, here. Yeah. Every ultra i've done mike has been the timer i mean the races down here pick their dates based on when mike is available That's um good. he's doing a he does a great job he does uh barkley in big's backyard ultra those he results does. are almost instant yeah he, he he is on top of it he's great so mike is doing the timing for this and there's this great video of bob at across the years coming in on that you know, 229th lap. And Mike's like, come on, do another one. Like you can, you got one more in you. And Bob's like, you fucking bastard. And then goes out and like does another one. Uh, so anyway, Bob organizes the Everglades ultra and the keys 100. Uh, and so last year we were supposed to do the Everglades ultra and I got pneumonia. Yeah, you did. And and the doctor advised you not to run an ultra. The doctor full on ordered me. Yeah. I was like, it was like the week before. So I had gone in to the doctor because I knew I had the flu. I had a really bad fever for like three days. I just felt terrible. And I went in and I'm like, could I please have some like Tamiflu, like something to make this better. And then I had gone, I was so sick and I had gone in for an MRI because I have a benign liver tumor that I just have to get checked on every year to make sure it's not getting bigger or turning into cancer. And that of course freaks me out. But I was like, Oh, I feel so bad. Like, fine, I'm going to go in and get my MRI. I'm due for it. And so I get the MRI in like the morning and in the afternoon, my doctor's office calls me, not the doctor, but the receptionist. And She's like, the radiologist just called us and uh, you need to come in right away. And I'm like, oh, I have liver cancer. Like, I'm going to die. And I was like, okay, I was fine six months ago. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. He says you have really bad pneumonia. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. Like, the good news is it's not tumor. The bad news is it's pneumonia. I got to say, my doctor apologized profusely for that. Like, it was, I, you know, I, I know it was just like an accident. But, uh, so anyway, I go in and, uh, yeah, 
the, so the radiologist who got the MRI was like, holy fuck, like she's <laughs> really sick. You need to get her in. I mean, there's nothing to do if you have viral pneumonia, uh, as we're all finding out right now. Uh, there's, there's not like some pill you take to make viral pneumonia go away. And it was like a week before the race. And I was like, uh, so I'm supposed to run this 50 miler next week. And she's like, that's how people die from the flu. You may not go run a 50 miler. Absolutely not. You are to stay home and rest. Don't do anything. Yeah. What, what are you stupid? <laughs> like she was like, I was like, okay, understand. She's like, you're going to die if you run the race. Clearly okay. she's not in the ultra community. Oh my God. No, she was a voice of reason. I'm not saying she's oh wrong. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we missed this race last year you i think we're going to run the 50 miler i, I think and then i dropped down to the 50k though the week before so because i was uh, I you had not trained emails. all the way i emailed bob and i was like hey can i still drop down to the 50k he said let me check yeah sounds good yeah uh so anyway we didn't get to do it and uh so this year we're like okay gonna go do the everglades race and all week every other race i had scheduled was getting canceled Boston Marathon, I mean, postponed Boston Marathon, London Marathon, Tokyo Marathon had been canceled. All these races are getting canceled. And then uh, the Everglades Ultra, so it was Saturday, March 14th. And uh, on Friday, a lot of times the day before ultras, they will do like a race briefing. So they kind of tell you about the, you know, the course. How, uh, how wet it is. Are there new puddles? Are there... Yeah, where are the aid Special stations? Obstacles. Yeah, because it's easy to get lost in an ultra, and uh, it's not like a road marathon where, like, every mile or two you have like a table with Gatorade. It's like every six miles, and you may not see another runner. Yes, yes. So, uh, so they do this briefing, and Bob was telling us on you don't have to go to that necessarily for all the races because they'll redo them on the day of the race and. So we're all kind of standing there and he's like, yeah, you know, at five o'clock we did our pre-race briefing and at five o'clock on Friday afternoon, right? Yep. And at five 30 Florida canceled every event in a state park, which is where this was. It was in the Fakahatchee state park in the Everglades. And, uh, he's like, oh, like we had just told everybody that this was on. We just briefed them. And now every event in the, in the state is canceled. And, uh, basically the park ranger for the Fakahatchee Steve. park. Steve, <laughs> I never actually met Steve at the race, but we were told about Steve. Uh, he basically got them the go, the go ahead to keep doing the race. Because um, he said everyone was already there, right? 80% of the runners were already there, were at the briefing or something. It was. But like, also, like, you're not, I, I mean, that Bob was sort of saying that. I, I don't think it was so much that the runners were there. I think it's that the thing was set up. Mm. But I think what it really is, is that um, there's a lot of social distancing built into ultras. You're not, it's not like a road marathon where you're crowded in with other runners there were big stretches where i couldn't see anybody else yeah uh, i mean it was what we, for our race we figured about 50 people even at the start that, right that was like the, the most serious cluster at the time yep so uh we got that go ahead to go do the race and we did it the end end of podcast thanks for joining us we'll it talk to was you next a week. great race are you gonna talk about it it was not a normal race go ahead i mean it's your first ultra yeah, I mean, we went through prairies, we went through swamps, we went through woodland, we saw a snake, we saw <laughs> alligators, we did not see... I like how see... the snake comes before, like, the 
50 alligators, giant alligators. Panthers, but they were panthers. It's a, like part of a, you know, wildlife preserve with panthers. But we definitely saw alligators. Yeah. It was awesome. It was a great race. There were the volunteers were working their butts off. The aid stations were great. It was a really good race. It was hard as hell, but it was a good race. Okay, there you go. You have the GR Dad summary. Uh, yeah, I would put the alligators at the top of the noteworthy list, way before the one snake that you saw. I mean, we saw a snake under our stairs today. He's giving me yeah, alligators. Did, yeah, yeah, <laughs> alligators are great. I've seen lots of alligators in my life, man. When you're as old as I am. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, do you hang out like that close to them often? I once threw a sock at an alligator to make it move. When was that? I was in college. Where was that? In Florida. Spring break, Naples. So we were like playing golf and there was an alligator there and it wasn't moving. So I just kept going closer to it and I was like, it's dead. I'm sorry, are you equ- dead. are you equating a dead alligator? It wasn't dead. Okay. I hit it with my sock and it became quite agitated all right are you equating an alligator on a golf course in naples with an alligator in a swamp in the everglades that you ran past are, are we equating these experiences i, I mean it's pretty epic in college. <laughs> all right jared dad and i have discovered a thing where we have a difference of opinion about the importance of wildlife in our adventures the alligators on the run were scarily close and there's not like there are fences or anything like that you're just running and then there's these well there's ditches on both sides of the road where i didn't see an alligator although jen did um but then there's also these like big ponds where there are alligators but they're you know right there i mean most of the time they're like i don't actually know where this road is that you were talking about like there are a couple like crushed like yeah, the path in the paths. woods. Path in the yeah. woods. But most of the race is just like they took a lawnmower yeah. and then drove it 15 <laughs> miles across the prairie. Yeah, it's true. And there's like a kind of curvy. Weirdly line. curvy. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to make it straight. They don't. They just go wherever they want. Yeah. So they kind of mowed us a little path right through the middle of this vast Everglades prairie. It was was beautiful. Like when I was running through that prairie, I could have been in Africa. There's like palm trees and then like vast grasslands, crazy animals. It was was wild. You see like forests in the, in the distance on the horizon, but it's all prairie till there. And it was very cool. Yeah. Could have been anything in that grass left and right of us too. Anything. I mean, there was, there were lots of snakes and those big gators I guess the prairies, there weren't as much water. Panthers. Could have been panthers. I saw a panther when I did the my first 50-miler. The San Sebastian one. Yep. That's yep. epic. It was dark. Yeah, it could eat you. Yep. It did not. It just kind of stayed in the woods. Um, yeah. It was a cool race. That's so. cool. But anyway, it was hard. But, you know, the aid stations are helpful. Um, I got to say, I was expecting, like, more like narrative or like impression from you i wasn't prepared i didn't know you would like turn it over to me oh well i'm just i don't leave like a prepared statement i just like it's your first big organized like the 50k that we did together i know you've run the distance before it was just you and me running on the path that we always run on like this is your first like big long race like this i liked it i liked the the fact that i was alone i'd say 80 percent of the race 
like the, you know, like I could sometimes see someone in front of me that I was reeling in. I think I passed like one or two people, uh, or people passed me from the 25 K or the 50 milers. And, you know, it was just like, but most of the race you're alone and more of the race than not, you don't see anyone else either behind you or in front of you. It's cool. Interesting. And so it's well marked. There's little flags everywhere. So I didn't, I don't think I ever thought I was lost. And there are aid stations, what, every three to five miles? It was I'm wondering good. more about your personal experience than factual report of race conditions. Like, how did it feel to run that far? It was hard. But it was good to start slow, right? I mean, the, the difference to a marathon, the marathons I run, I usually try to, I have gone out too fast and then kind of hung on. So it kind of sucks after mile 18. Um, but I know it's only 26 miles, so it's like there's an end. This one I knew I would have to pace myself and start out reasonably. So I started, I mean, I was much more sort of in control of the run. And I was definitely at the back of the pack, but it was nice. Um, it was, a, I mean, it, it was good. And then, you know, after about 18, 19 miles, it got hard. And it sucked for a while. And then the last three or four miles, it was good again. Oh, all right. I liked well. it. And it was, you know, I, I felt like I was still running and I still had some energy left. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was very gratifying to do it and to feel like I still had some left. I wasn't just like collapsing after the finish. It was, I felt like I ran it. Now I'm sore. All right. No, I don't, I'm not more philosophical about it than that. No, it's glad totally, I did it. Totally fine. I'm I don't have any desire time. to do a 50 miler at this point. That's way too far. Oh, that's interesting. No, that's a whole different thing. I can't, this is the, this is probably as much as I can train for a race. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like we, you know, when you, cause I had signed up for this race first mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, you know, just, you know, on March 14th, I'm going to do the Everglades race. And you were like, Ugh. and I'm like, well, you could do it too, if you want to. And so you signed up to do it. I signed up like six weeks ahead of time or something. I, I mean, I think you maybe had eight weeks. Yeah. To it train. was close. Yeah. It, it was a short in time. Um, and so I was like, okay, like here's kind of you know, you train for 50 K, the training is basically the same as a marathon. Right. Um, but, and so you did all of the long runs yeah, on the weekends with for that. You. Yep. Yep. We did, I guess you did one of them by yourself, right? I was in yeah, yeah. Austin or somewhere. Um, but I also, you know, I think I had said, you know, the optimal way to do this is that you're running three or four times a week, short runs. And that was hard for you to get in. Yep. I think. Yep. Um, both cause you like, I think you prefer erging to running. I think I called you once and I was like, yeah, I just did seven miles. And you're like, God damn it. That's so bad. <laughs> you're not doing, ex you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you uh, want to be doing the short runs, do short runs, but seven miles is not a short run. This is the JR dad filtering of me going. I believe what I said was like, that's cool that you ran seven miles, but it really is important that you do like 30 to 40 minute runs a few times a week. It, like one seven mile run is not the same as like two, three or four mile runs. I don't think I said, God damn it. That's no, not what you're supposed you did to not. be doing. You did not. Um, no, no, no. This is not judgment, right? It's just to note for on like your training that like you, you would run once, maybe there are a couple of weeks where you maybe ran twice outside of the long run 
you work out a lot. I mean, I only had eight weeks this time, but I, but this has been the same problem with my marathon training where I, I will do the long runs religiously. I, I do them very disciplined-like. Yeah. I won't skip those. But during the week, it's very hard for me to do a, a three-mile... Because it, for me, a three- or four-mile run is, you know, some preparation, getting getting ready, mentally getting to the point where I'll run, doing everything else, <laughs> running, and then it takes me... And then I sweat for at least half an hour, 45 minutes afterwards. Then I have to shower. So it's actually like a three-hour... No, it's like a two-hour event. Yeah. And so there is some feeling that I have where it's like, man, if I'm going to be out of commission for two hours, I might as well run for an hour of that or an hour and 15 of that instead of half an hour. Yeah. But but you, you know. don't run for an hour and a half or an hour three or four times a week outside the long run either. No. I mean, you shouldn't because then well, you get hurt. You said that was injury bait. Yes. If you went from like kind of not running maybe once a week you'd run to running an hour three or four times a week plus a long run like of course you're gonna get it's totally happened to me before that i've i mean overtrained makes it seem like i trained a lot what that i got injured during training right so i so i am receptive to the fact that i don't want to do something stupid and get injured three weeks before the race and then that was all dumb so yeah i mean this time i tried i during the Three weeks before the race, I, the last the two weeks before the real taper, I was trying to do uh, three or three or four runs of shorter. Did so you get two, that many in? I mean, I wasn't here it was for like a lot of it. was like one week that I did four. Yeah. And then the other one I did two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you did great in the race. Yeah, but look, I'm limping around and not going downstairs, and you are bouncing around dancing and singing. Literally so, dancing. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm not just, I didn't just make that up. No, so, that's true. I mean, it, that's the difference, right? I, I have had races where I have, feel like I've trained enough, or training runs with you, frankly, that are under control and, and at a reasonable pace, and I, can, I don't have these sorenesses and pains, right? Yeah. On the other hand, we did the Keys Half Marathon three or four six weeks ago end of january yeah and i deliberately ran it too fast probably and i hurt like crazy the next you were in week. rough shape after that the race, next week yeah. that was worse than many marathons that i've run yeah and i kind of knew it but i was that's the combination of under training and running too fast it's actually probably good for me to realize what a difference it makes to run at a reasonable pace so yeah. it helped me it helped me indirectly in this fifty K, right? Because I wasn't trying I wasn't chasing the clock. I'm trying to use my Garmin to just like keep a reasonable pulse level and not really care not chase the um you know, miles per minute, minutes per mile yeah thing. Ten minute miles or whatever, trying to do some arbitrary limit, which I've done in my marathons and it in, inevitably kind of sucks and, yeah. and hurts well i mean that was i think an interesting thing in that half marathon you i don't think you had run for a couple months at all uh, right like you were erging a lot you were working out a lot but yeah. you weren't running no. at all pretty much right and if i'd run once a once every other week or something right i mean it's probably yeah. about that that i was very undertrained over christmas yeah yeah though i have to confess like at some point i don't know what it was like you, like I was irritated 
at some point, like in the training for this race, like when we were talking about something and my irritation stemmed from like, this is a thing I take really seriously. Like I'm not good at it. Right. I finish way towards the end. Like I'm not a fast runner, but I work really hard at it and I take it really seriously. And I realized I was irritated, not because like you were doing anything wrong, but that like, man, I'm working my ass off to like be able to do these long runs. And then like you can show up and do the same thing that I did without anywhere near the amount of training that I put in and like do fine at it, which is not at all a thing to be mad at you about, but it had to make me go like, God, why am I feeling so irritated when we talk about it sometimes? And it's like, oh, cause like I'm working so hard at this and, and actually like tons of other people can just show up and do this and they don't have to. But does it make you feel better that I can't walk right now? <laughs> I mean, no. It should. Though, I mean, <laughs> I do see the difference yeah. in our levels of running training now. Yeah. And, and after all of our marathons. I mean, you finish ahead of me in all of them. But even even with our long runs where, where you feel pretty good, I feel better than you. Oh, yeah. At the, at the end of those. And so, like, I do see a difference in the training. But I think... And I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just for like the longer races, right? Like, I don't know what would happen if you tried to run a 50 mile. I would die. I mean, I don't think you actually would die. Well, I don't think I'd finish. Let's put it that way. I don't think I could. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I don't know. 50 miles. That's that. That is a whole nother level of, you know, just sustained effort that I'm uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not it's not you doing anything wrong, right? But it's it's like, man, I work so hard at this, and like this is my race that I'm doing this spring. I mean, for now, right? I'm I'm doing a fifty miler in May, uh, but like, I'm working really hard at this, and then to have other people who just like, yeah, well, I'm gonna show up and I'll like you know run a couple times a week, like not to diminish what you did, right? But you kind of did the long runs, and most of the weeks the few number of weeks you had to train for this you'd kind of run once during the week you'd erg a couple times you'd good cross training yeah. right but it's like man i'm running so much and i'm like doing all these stretches and doing all of this strengthening and all of this work and you can just show up and do it, it it's not irritated at you right it's just sort of like yeah. like there's something about that that's like man like i work my ass off and other people just show up and like don't take this nearly as seriously and I think maybe part of that is if I were winning, I would go, well, sure. Like I'm working my ass off, but I'm better than all these other people, but I'm not, I'm worse than most people, including the ones who show up undertrained. But I think it's just, there's always that, right? There, you're, there's always, you can always look to like someone who's just that it's different for them and it's easier for them. I mean, I'm looking at you. Well, hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm looking at you who absolutely did your long runs and ran like once a week, basically, and still did this better than me, though. I don't know what better. uh, I mean, I am in better, feeling better than you today. Yep. You get style points. Yeah. This is much more a commentary on like me than a commentary on you. Like you did everything you had to do to finish that race running and you did just fine. It was a good race. I mean, it with the 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 surroundings. The race was very good. Yep. It really helps to have a nice 
well-organized race in a really cool location. Yeah, the location was amazing. If, if this had been run a five-mile loop in Brooklyn, I probably would have been like, oh, God, this is a sucky, <laughs> sucky experience. Well, let me use that to transition us to topic number two, which is, so, uh, when Elliot Kipchoge did his sub-two-hour marathon last fall, I think, in Swiss, uh, Switzerland, Vienna, Austria, uh, I st- I got up at whatever two in the morning to watch him yeah. do it. Four in the morning. It was it was. It might have been terrible. It was the middle of the night, yeah. and I got up and yeah. like watched it live, and I was very inspired. And while I was watching it, I kind of decided in my moment of inspiration that I should do the Abbott Marathon uh, majors, <laughs> which is a series of six races. Um, and I knew about it because I, we run the Chicago Marathon every year. I've run it probably fifteen times. Um, and it's one of the marathon majors. So there's six races. It's Boston, Chicago, New York, London, Berlin, and Tokyo. They're like the biggest of the big city marathons. And so there's like added prize money if you're an elite runner and you run in those. But there's also a thing where if you run all six, not in one year, but like over the course of your life, um, like you sign up on the world Abbott world marathon majors website they pull in all of your results and then once you've run all six you get like a special a giant medal yep i mean it's it's giant so it's called the six stars and like you'll see people in these races like i'm getting my sixth star today like this is their last one and i was like well heck i should totally do this like i've run chicago a bunch of times i would love to run these other marathons and so uh i started looking into it and tokyo it was too late for me to get into Tokyo, um, which is okay because the Tokyo Marathon got canceled this year anyway. Unless you're an elite runner like Kipchoge. Yes, which I'm definitely not. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, the first struggle is that I am so unelite that Boston is one of the marathons and I am nowhere close, nowhere close, no matter how hard I worked, I cannot run fast enough to qualify for Boston. That's a, that's a, it's it's an amazingly hard standard. I can't run like the eighty year olds qualifying. I can't pace. age fast enough to to do that. No, yeah. um, but the sort of loophole for Boston is that you can join a charity team and get in that way, and you don't have to have a qualifying time. And so it's. I mean, I still feel like it's cheating a little bit. Like <laughs> you're not one of the people qualified. That there's. I mean, it's like. of the field are charity runners. There's a ton of people who get in that way to Boston. Um, So I joined the charity team for Community uh, Community Rowing Inc., which is a rowing club in Boston, and uh, did a bunch of fundraising for them. And then I was like, well, maybe I can get into London too. I got into London. We both signed up for the Berlin Marathon. Jared Dad got in right away put down he was a German citizen, which I think maybe helped him a little bit. Um, All of these races have lotteries to get in. And so um, I didn't get in to the Berlin Marathon uh, with the regular registration, but then they have this weird thing where it's like, you know, 8 a.m. Berlin time, which whatever was 2 or 3 a.m. U.S. time, there's like a, you make an extra charity donation. They have like a thousand 
spots available to the first thousand people who make a charity donation opening at, you know, 8 a.m. Berlin time, 2 a.m. <laughs> like East Coast time. And of course, you know, thousands and thousands of people want these spots. And it's just like when you used to have to try to buy Ticketmaster refresh, tickets. Refresh, 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 refresh. And then refresh. the server crashes and you have like all these windows open. Um, and it means like $65. Like it's, you know, I raised almost $15,000 for community rowing. Uh, this was, you know, a $65 charity donation. And so I got one of them. Uh, attributed mostly to my tech savvy that I was able to kind of defeat the system. Sure, you said you were married to a German. Maybe that would have got your preference. <sighs> Man, maybe it would have. I didn't think about this. Anyway, so we're both running the Berlin Marathon. So, uh, and then what else is there? So Chicago, I already was in. I don't have to go through the lottery for that because I've London, you said. run it so much. Um, and New then York. New York. Um, did not get in on the lottery, and so I joined the ASPCA. Oh, that's easy. Uh, charity team there. Um, I give them a ton of money anyway, so I'm not even going to fundraise. I'm just going to give them um, all the money for that because I love them and they're wonderful. And I'm really excited. Like I had looked many times before when I didn't need to charity race. Like oh, I'd be cool to fundraise for the ASPCA, but they only do it in the New York Marathon. And so this year I was signed up to do Boston and London in the spring. And they were in the same week. Boston is on a Monday and the London Marathon was the Sunday after that. So I was going to do these two races in six days, basically like do Boston, come home for a couple of days, fly out to London, do Which that race. Which is already race. ridiculous with the flight and everything. And then um, the Berlin Marathon is at the end of September. Chicago is a couple of weeks after that, I think. Columbus Day weekend. Uh, yeah, so it's in early October. And then New York is the first week of November. So it was going to be a busy marathon fall for me and certainly like a crazy spring and fall you're, in the spring two and three yeah but whatever okay so uh if you haven't noticed shit's going down no marathons being run no big sporting events so i kind of uh, you know before it happened i'm like there's no way that they're gonna have the boston or the london marathon i mean and i say that two weeks ago when i was at work was it even two weeks ago? Maybe it was like a week and a half ago. A week ago. I was, a week and a half ago, I was talking to somebody and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm supposed to run the London Marathon in April, but I don't really know because like what happens if I went over there and then I couldn't fly back? Like it's so a different world 10 days ago than like now, like, you know, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't do this in a million ways. So anyway, they postponed, thankfully they did not cancel they postponed the Boston and the London marathons to the fall. And of course they all know that these other world marathon majors are also happening in the fall. So here's my schedule. There are six world marathon majors. One of them's Tokyo, which happens in March. There's five other ones. I'm running all of them in, in 48 days, basically. So I'm going to run Boston on September 14th, Berlin on September 27th. So I do get a week off. London, October 4th, the next week. Chicago, October 11th, the next week. And then I get a week off and then New York. So I'm going to have Berlin, London, Chicago, and three consecutive weekends, three consecutive marathons. Did you sign up for Marine Corps? I did not. <laughs> I did not sign up for Marine Corps, which would be in between Chicago and New York, um, specifically because I was like, well, I'm going to run the New York Marathon. I, you know, I've, got, I've done like Chicago and then Marine Corps two weeks apart and it's hard. 
Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to do Chicago and then Marine Corps and then New York, like cram all of those in. Uh, Little did you know. (laughs) So someone had pointed out that like anyone who does this, and the thing is you can't decide now to do it. You can't get in to Boston or London anymore. They just moved them. They didn't reopen them. That's right. And all those charity spots, there's no way to get into those races anymore. So you have to have been already signed up for those. Um, I don't know, maybe if you had made it into Berlin, you could find a way into Chicago and New York still, but basically you still had to have been registered for Boston, London, back to back. There's not that many people that were doing it. And they also would have to have been in Berlin. So there's not that many of us. So if you were in London, no, I'm saying Boston and London, you have to have already been in Berlin. You have to have been in like that's all passed. So if you happened to have been registered for those three, which is already crazy, you maybe could get yourself into New York and Chicago now in a charity spot, maybe. Um, but basically, you have to have already signed up for all five of these. There cannot be that many of us that, I mean, there's not that many people can run five marathons in a year, period, especially doing all of them in 48 days. Or want to. So, I mean, there's probably just going to be three or four of us who do it all, but then If we get into Tokyo, which I assume this will be a big enough deal, assuming this all happens, that we do this, that they will make sure that we get into Tokyo, we will set world records for the fastest completion of the world (laughs) marathon majors. You could, if you sign. It won't be equaled. It won't be equaled. You could not do it faster. Um, Because the normal schedule is, you know. March to November. Yeah. Right. If you were to do them all in one year, you'd start with Tokyo in March and then you'd finish in November with New York if you got into all of them. So it's like nine months. Um, and yeah, you know, no matter how you do it, there's three in the spring and three in the fall. And so if you flip it around, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to do Berlin September through April. It still is longer yeah. than this. Um, so that would be pretty cool. Like, <laughs> oh, Jen Gulbeck, super slacker, slow runner, like come barely inching in under some of those finish. It's uh, more limits. akin to a super ultra to do like five marathons in 25 days or it's whatever. It's going to be you're awesome. I'm ridiculous. very excited about it's it. a lot of miles. Um, and so when I had, that's guac making those noises in the background. When I had signed up for this, there's some random company that makes this set of t-shirts uh, which you may have seen me post some of them on my Jen Runs with Dogs account. Um, so they have six t-shirts, one for each of the marathon majors, and it's got like the three-letter code for the city and then like the course map. And I bought all six it's of really them. really cool. Uh, so Geodad had seen me, I think, in the Boston one, and he's like, did you buy all six? I'm like, of course I bought all six. <laughs> like, what, are you crazy? I'm going to, what, like wait, and then they don't have like the one that I didn't sign up for? Of course I bought all six at once. Um, so I'm already like super excited about like my little photo montage of me just like <laughs> in the shirt with the medal from all of, all yeah. of those races. Um, that's going to be pretty cool. So, you know, on one hand, it's super disappointing. I've been training very hard for the Boston marathon. Um, this Everglades ultra was going to be my last long run before Boston, which is you know stupid to run 31 miles as your long run for a 26 mile race. But, um, I mean, I've been doing speed work. I've been doing dear dad knows like I sit in front of the TV, like for an hour, most nights and I'm doing stupid stretches and hip strengthening exercises. I would say it's stupid and it worked for the 50 K it worked. I had no injury problems. Like I've been working so hard for, you know, especially for Boston, um, because I didn't 
you know, I'm a slow runner and that's a race of fast runners. Right. And the charity runners aren't as fast. These have a six hour time limit, which is fine. But I, it was a race where I was like, I'm going to push it really hard. I'm going to see how fast I can run this. I can break five hours when I do that. Um, you know, and then just take it easy at London, um, which is, you know, a more normal one. And so it's really disappointing of like, absolutely the right decision for them to postpone these races, but disappointing that like, I've been working for a really long time to get ready for this. And now I don't get to do it, but hopefully everything is a little bit more in control in the fall and I'll be able to do this and it'll be, it'll be cool to have the opportunity to do something like that epic. So fingers crossed that everything works out that that happens. And what about talking about sustained effort over weeks and weeks? It's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, there you go. That is this episode of runs with dogs. We got lots more to talk about, but fortunately we have time since we're not going anywhere. We're not leaving the house. So maybe we'll drop another episode. Yeah. Uh, drop another one. So we can talk about more of the stuff. Um, anyway, we like to wrap these up with a dog running story. Yeah. So when I was Normally I live tweet and live or like do Instagram stories while I'm running my ultras and like post pictures of cool stuff. And especially like if I see snakes and stuff, which you do a lot of times in ultras, but there's no service in most of the Everglades. And so, you know, I, I had taken a picture of this giant gator, like at mile 11. And then I had like a blip of service and I was like probably running the only race that's actually happening this weekend. Cause everything's being canceled. Uh, check out this picture of this gator and at some point, you know, much later, I had a little blip of signal and I was really, it was hot and I was really tired. I was like, let, you know, people say such nice, encouraging things. Let's go see stuff. And someone's like, well, the Iditarod is still happening. And I was like, <laughs> all right, fair enough. I meant human running races, but sure, the Iditarod is happening. Um, so that's sort of worth mentioning is like our good, I was like, oh, it's a good dog running story. Well, there are these dogs and, you know, with some people helping them along running a thousand miles. No kidding. Uh, up in uh in alaska what were they saying there's they're getting close to the finish now after two weeks it's been about a week so far and there's only like three teams that still have all their original 14 starting dogs in play yeah anybody who gets sick or feels bad quince i think is still one of them quince i think still does let's pull him up here uh so yeah we're of course cheering this guy's name is quince mountain quince mountain which is freaking the badassest name of the badasses. He's super badass. So good. Uh, he's Blair Braverman's husband. And I mean, Blair Braverman, also a badass name. Badass. And then now, Blair Braverman makes her sound like, you know, something from a from a 18th century novel or something. But she's epic and awesome. And, and, and if you've seen an article by her, read it. And they're, they're like, whatever, kennel, sled dog. It's called Braver Mountain. How fucking cool is that? We don't get, I mean, we get Goldheart, which is pretty cool and like has a nice emoji to it. Yeah, yeah. But Braver Mountain is pretty badass. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Quince Mountain, that's so good. Quince Mountain, um, he Damn it. is at mile 559. <laughs> he has 416 miles to go. He does still have all 14 dogs um, that he started with, but you're right. Guacamole is very upset at his ball. There that, are, that he knocked 10 inches away from his face. Oh, my God. I'm looking at the thing. It looks like there's two other mushers who have all 14 dogs still. Um, one of them had a, somebody's dog bloated 
on the course. Wow. Where their, you know, where their stomach twists. And, uh, it was a really kind of beautiful story about like the vet, like they went to sleep, they were resting dog was doing great and woke up and the dog was in a lot of pain. Her belly was huge. And like the vet, you know, they stopped just in these tiny villages. Right. Um, I was like, well, we can't do the surgery here. Population two, right? Yeah. Some some of them. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember if they flew the dog to Anchorage, I think to Anchorage, they flew the dog back, but they're like, you know, the dog, those dogs die from bloat all most of the time when they bloat, they die. Um, so he like had this numbing, like gave her this numbing injection and basically cut through into her stomach to relieve the pressure. And then they put her on a plane. I think they had to do it one more time before she got there, but they got, got her to the vet in Anchorage and saved her and she's doing fine. Um, but Blair, one of her dogs that she dropped last year, he was doing fine. And then he ate 15 pounds of chicken skin. He just like got into the (laughs) sled where there were 15 pounds of chicken skin and ate all of them. What dog would get into a, bag of food and then eat most of it well if you want to hear more about that you'll have to turn into the golden ratio podcast this week where we're going to talk about a similar incident that happened in without our the this skin week. but with some of the oh my god overeating uh so yeah some you know and sometimes it's just the dog is tired doesn't feel like it anymore yeah. and there are volunteers and vets and people who take care of them so you can you know keep going and have your you know the dog. But Quince loves his dog so much, and they love him that no one's dropping out. <laughs> They're all doing a great job. So, uh, so yeah, we. If you go to iditarod.com, you can track it. I like paid the whatever twenty bucks subscription fee, so I get like live GPS tracking, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. So it's pretty like, epic. There's that story this year about the. There's a small town in Shaktulik. Shaktulik. Yeah. That. Uh, decided not to risk exposure and cross-contamination with the coronavirus. So they said, we're not going to... Normally, they, I think, just open their they doors there, and, yeah. and, and allow the mushers in. They said, so we can't do that this year because in the 1918 flu, I think the town was almost entirely wiped out by the by there the six people survived Spanish flu. Yeah. And they're like, we just know how bad this stuff can be. But in, so they're like, well, we can't these, we, you know, we do want to support the mushers. So they just set up this house for them. They took this like abandoned house awesome. and shoveled the snow out of it and yeah. like, you know, put up windows, put in, they donated like a Blankets hot plate and, and wood yeah. stove and like all this stuff. And yeah, it was like the whole, I mean, it's a small community, right? But right. they all came out there and chopped wood and just got the whole thing set up. So yeah, the mushers don't have to come into the town and potentially expose the people there. Um, and it's so, it's so isolated, it's but it's a nice still... gesture. Like it's both careful and, and smart and informed, but also like they care a lot and they didn't just say bypass the town. Yeah. Too bad. Like go, go sleep outside or whatever. Yeah. Uh, especially because right there is a, a really exposed part of the trail. So the shelter is really helpful. So yeah, population 199. Wow. Shaktulik. Yep. So yeah, good job, mushers. Uh, it is eight days, three hours, and twenty-three minutes into the Iditarod right now. Uh, Quince Mountain, who is the guy that we're cheering for the most, um, he's in the Red Lantern position, which is what I'm going to call it when I come in last place at some race, <laughs> which I'm sure will happen uh, in the Iditarod. You get a Red Lantern if you're the last finisher. He's at mile five fifty-nine. The leader is at mile eight eighteen right now and running. So, yeah. 
But there's people who make it to like uh, safety, which is, I mean, like 20 miles from Nome and drop. They make it 900, whatever, 50 miles. And there was at least one person who dropped in safety last year because like the dogs were just like, nope, we're done. And I think it was a she was just like, okay, we're done. We're done. Yep. My, my engine is broken. Yeah. Uh, which I can't imagine. Like, I I know how bad I felt dropping that 100 miler at mile 73. Yeah. But that it was not mile 95. Like, <laughs> but it's different if it's your decision or a decision of a committee of like 10 dogs. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the mushers say that, that like what they really care about is the dogs. They're just going to do what the dogs want. And if the dogs aren't, if the dogs don't want to keep going, like they wouldn't push the dogs to keep yeah, going. Like they, they care most about taking care of the dogs. These are, these are different times than, you know, 50 years ago when I think the dogs were seen more as engines by, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. So anyway, there you go. The Iditarod absolutely still going. Uh, the world was a very different place. Eight days, three hours and 25 minutes ago. And I suspect when they all finish in eight days from now, it's going to be a very different place than it is. They're going to wish they were. Maybe they'll just like, you know what? I'm just going to turn around and go back. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Anyway, thanks for keeping us subscribed, which you must have if you heard this because it's been (laughs) such a long time. Um, But like I said, we got some time on our hands. And so we're probably going to be recording a few more of these. So drop stay tuned for new podcasts yes yes and uh yeah get out there and run 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 bye bye